Well, it's wonderful to be with all of you on Rajasi Day weekend. Thank you so much for the great energy yesterday. And thank you also, everyone, for the joy and the energy and the love that you pour into this community every day. And if you happen to be here for the first time, we thank you still. We feel your support. If you're watching online, we feel your support. Thank you. So this reading is from Whispers from Eternity, a book of prayers and poems by Paramahansa Yogananda. O Spirit, teach me to enjoy Thee in spirit, that I may enjoy the world and my earthly duties with Thy joy. O Spirit, help me to train my senses that they enjoy only good things. Teach me to enjoy earthly pleasures with thy joy. Save me above all from the slightest touch of negativity, doubt, and cynicism. Isn't that interesting? It's a somewhat unusual reading. Save me above all from the slightest touch of negativity, doubt, and cynicism. So today's subject is perfection in self-transcendence. As we rise above the little ego, we experience freedom in God. We can't, the, the reading is about um, loving those who hate you, loving those who persecute you. And as he said, you can't do that from the ego. You can only do that if you transcend the ego. I'd like to start with a wonderful story that I heard this week about rising above smallness into greatness. Um, many of you know Nitai, who started our Ananda Education for Life School here at the village almost 50 years ago. And uh, since that time, he's taken the Education for Life principles around the world. And we have other schools on the West Coast and also in other countries. He's just recently come back from Europe and he shared the story of how the Education for Life school in Slovenia began and it's a pretty useful and inspiring story. The woman who started its name is Tina and some time ago, I don't think very long ago, she went to Assisi, she lives in Slovenia and so Assisi is her, her community over there, she went to Assisi and she said to Shivani, who's one of our ministers there, I've been thinking that maybe someday I might want to start an Ananda community, maybe. And Shivani said, do it now. <laughs> she said, the masters are just waiting to help you. They're bored. Just, just, tell, them, just tell them what you want and what you need. Well, it was pretty galvanizing uh, response. And so Tina went home and she sat in front of her altar and she said, Babaji, you are good at materializing buildings, including palaces. I want you in charge of finding us a building for the school. Lahiri, you were a parent. I'm putting you in charge of finding the right parents for our school. Sri Yukteswar, you are the ultimate teacher. I need you to find us the right teacher.
teachers for our school. Jesus, you are highly respected by the Ministry of Education in Slovenia. I need you, I need you to help get us through the red tape, uh, to get us acknowledged as, a, as a, an official school in Slovenia. And Master, I'm asking you to be with me and to make sure that I don't miss any opportunities that are coming our way. And things just began to unfold in a really, really beautiful way. After a year, she realized that she hadn't put anyone in charge of finances. <laughs> and that began to be a problem. And so she called on Rajasi Janakananda, who's birthday we just celebrated. Rajasi Janakananda is a self-made multi-millionaire. And she said, Rajasi, would you be in charge of finances for the school? And she put the whole thing in their hands. And the school is just growing by leaps and bounds. I believe it's the only non-government started school that's acknowledged by the state. So it's very impressive. And it's something that we can take to heart as we look deeper into this subject of perfection lies in self-transcendence. As I was saying that this can't, we can't do what we want to do by the ego. Last week, as it said in the reading, this week follows last week. Last week, uh, Parvati shared something that Swami had said about seeking self-realization. He said, we don't find self-realization in one big leap, but rather it's a minute by minute, day by day, the, the choices that you make each moment of the day, am I going to reach up? Am I going to collapse into myself? Am I going to be kind to someone who's not been kind to me? Am I going to be expansive or am I going to become shy? And we're constantly making these choices. And those are the choices that are the building blocks of self-realization. And so in this reading today, it's very strong. People hating you, you must love them. People despitefully using you, not respecting you, all these things, how important it is to use those as training grounds to get beyond the ego. But that we have to work on trying to free that part of ourselves that, that thinks of us as limited, that's protecting the ego all the time. One of my favorite passages in Autobiography of a Yogi is where Master is talking about his life with Sri Yukteswar and how drastic Sri Yukteswar was and tr always trying to bludgeon his ego and get him corrected and, and uh, make him perfect. And he said, at one point, I demolished the wall of rationalization and, self reser uh, and subconscious reservation that the ego hides behind the wall of rationalization and subconscious reservation that the ego hides behind. And I want you to try just a momentary uh, experience. If you bring to mind someone in your life that you've got a little bit of a grudge against, or maybe they've been frustrating to you, or maybe somehow you feel rejected by them, and take a moment and look at that and say, oh, look. I'm hiding behind a wall 
of rationalization and subconscious reservation. It's really quite liberating and quite important for us. So I thought it would be fun to share some stories of a couple of people that we know who have t completely demolished those walls and what their lives look like. And that, those two people are Master and Swami. And they just lived in a, a world where they weren't protecting anything. They were tuning into God's love inside and they really didn't see problems around themselves. And as I tell these stories, you might put yourself in their place and just see what would I have done? What would my reaction have been if this had happened to me? And compare it to what we can achieve and what they're telling us to achieve. Yogananda was riding um, on a train in the United States, in California, and he, was, he didn't usually wear his orange robes or wear his hair long. He usually tried to look like a regular American with his hair pulled back and wearing a uh, business suit. But today he was in his Indian outfits, and he was sitting opposite a very famous movie actor named Warner Oland. And this was, a, this was America in like the 40s, I think. So people weren't used to seeing people in Indian clothes. And Warner Oland would just, every time he looked up at him, he would just have this look of disgust come over his face. Like, who would dress like that? You know, why would they look like that? And then he would look down, and then every now and then he'd look back, and he just this disgust would come over his face. And finally, and Master said, you know, I was, I was watching him, and I was thinking what to do. He said, there was no point in being angry with him. I thought, how can I help him? So I said to him, why do you make such a face? And he said to me, none of your business. And Master said, well, of course it's my business because every time I look in front of me, I see your face. <laughs> and he started to laugh, as you did. And he said, well, you seem to be a very audacious sort of person. Who are you? And Yogananda said, that's just it. This is the beginning of our discussion. He said, in this world, we have to realize that we're all a little bit crazy. But we never know about our craziness because we always mix with people who are crazy in the same way as we are. <laughs> so now, I know about your craziness. He said, I've seen you in your movies, but you don't know about my craziness. And today we're going to discuss that. And if, at the end of our discussion, you convince me that you are right, I'll follow you and become a movie actor. <laughs> but if I convince you that I'm right, you will follow me. And so he just had this discussion, uh, just wise men discuss, he said, fools argue, they just discussed, and at the end of the time he said, he decided to follow me, and I was saved from becoming a movie actor. <laughs> <laughs> just going through life, not <laughs> protecting oneself, but opening oneself. And Swami Kriyananda has done that so many times. In the late 1970s, we were taking our uh, master plan to the county for the first time. And we had to have a, an open hearing to have our neighbors comment on what they thought of our expansion. And a few of us rode into town in Swami's car that day. And after, and there were positive and negative comments about the master plan, and one of the most negative comments was a neighbor of ours, a close neighbor, I'm going to call him Joe. 
And he, he went on for a very, very long time about all the things we were doing wrong. And actually, almost all of his facts were wrong. But what he was communicating is, I hate these people, and some of them is bad, and more of them will be worse. And I don't want them, I don't want more of them. And he was really, he felt that that was a good enough reason that we should not uh, have our master plan accepted. Well, it was, it was an interesting experience. But after the hearing, we walked outside, and Joe was standing there with some of his friends. And Swami walked up to him as he would walk up to anybody in this room, just haven't seen you in a long time, so great to see you. He just was like, hi, Joe, how are you? I've just come back from India, haven't seen you, how are things going? Very, very affable and friendly. And when he does that to people, there's so much genuine love coming from him that all Joe could do would be just polite and sweet and kind in response. And then Swami said, isn't this a nice suit? I got it in the Himalayas for just $50. And Joe probably said something like, very nice, Swami. And, but then Swami walked away. And when he was less than probably 10 feet away, Joe turned to his cronies and he said, isn't this a nice suit? I got it just for $50 in the Himalayas. Just horribly sarcastic. So that, of course, all of us could hear. Well, I was pretty uh, agitated, but I couldn't think of anything that would be really appropriate to say. And so I followed Swami and my friends and got in the car and we drove to uh, Swenson's for ice cream and everybody got their ice cream and was sitting down and as we're all sort of there, sitting there, Swami just looks up with this just impish smile on his face and he says, isn't this a nice suit? I got it and it lies for just $50. And it was so beautiful because of course all of us had heard it, all of us were upset, but he wasn't upset. He wasn't mocking Joe. He was just enjoying the whole play. And I learned so much about inner freedom and just the joy that a person could live in without worrying what other people thought. Joe could think what he wanted. It didn't, it didn't change Swami's love. Swami always used to say, I never let how people treat me affect how I feel about them. Now think about what you use as a criteria for how you feel about people. It's how they treat you. But to just to go through life just loving everyone without condition. Another time, he was in, um, I believe it was Sicily, and he, uh, it was a hot day and he was out for a walk and he realized he should get a hat. And so he went into a hat store and he was looking through the hats, didn't really know what to get. And so he said to the woman in the store in a very friendly fashion, tell me, what hats do your customers like here? And she said, oh, how should I know? I just take their money. Well, think about your reaction. I know what I would have done. It would be, thank you, see you later, bye. But that wasn't Swami's reaction. He said, oh, he said, that must be a very lonely life totally compassionate toward her. That must be a very lonely life. You have this opportunity to make friends with people. Maybe you could reach out to the people who come into your store. And then he, I don't know if he bought a hat or didn't buy a hat, but that was the end of that and he left. And then the next day he was walking by the store and he saw her and he wasn't sure what, <laughs> if he should duck away or what. But she just saw him first and she came running over and she kissed him on both cheeks and thanked him for what he'd done for her. 
that is what the Gita is, ta- what the Bible is talking about, about not protecting ourselves, not shying away from people who hate us, but reaching out to them. And so what can we do? How can we do that? There are a couple of things to think about. One of the things I've been thinking about is, again, in the autobiography of a yogi, Sri Yukteswar says, forget the past. The past lives of all men are dark with many shames. Everything in future will improve if you're, if you're doing this, a spiritual practice now. Where's the past? The past lives in your memory. That's in your subconscious, at the back of your brain, which holds all your memories, all the emotions, all the negative emotions that went with it. And when we live in that place, we're really not in a good place. So to forget the past means bring your energy forward. Bring it to your superconscious. Bring it to the point between the eyebrows. Bring it to the place where you're connected to God, where you're connected to your divine self that is love, that expands to everyone. And that's a way to forget it. You offer it up. And you know I've had some wonderful experiences, and I encourage you in this too, to take something from the past where perhaps you have been hurt, or perhaps you've hurt someone, something that is not at peace inside of you, and bring it forward and hold it up into that light and into that calmness. And sometimes you get very beautiful responses, very great understanding that says, That's why that happened. I really needed that in my life. Those words at that time were exactly what I needed, even though I didn't like them. So forget the past. Also, practice kindness. Consciously put out kindness toward the other person. If you feel a little bit of a funny energy there, make a choice. Not just kindness because, oh, hi, hi, nice to see you kind of thing. No, I'm choosing to be kind. I remember the first time I ever discovered this was a sort of interesting, funny, I guess. From my early days, it was when I first came to Ananda in the early 70s. I was in my early 20s. And there was, I was totally brand new to the spiritual path. And there was a woman here, she only, I don't know that she even stayed a year or more, but anyway, she was unusual looking. But what was alarming to me about her is she never spoke. She never looked at anyone or engaged in interactions. And for some reason, it just bothered me a lot. Um, I just didn't know what to make of it. I was afraid of her. And I just didn't like her. Well, I found myself, at one point, I found myself in a room with her. And I, just the two of us. And I just consciously put out kindness and said something. And she responded. And I heard her voice for the first time. And it was a normal voice, and it was a normal response. <laughs> and the whole, the whole thing was over. My, all, my, all my everything. And, and after that, I was able to just interact with her in a normal way. But it was all bottled up inside of me until I consciously changed the energy and made that choice to overcome the likes and the dislikes but another way is humor. Swami uh, told the story, I, I don't know when this happened, but 
it must have been in Assisi, and some of our people were in Switzerland, and we were meeting a man who was one of the wealthiest men in Switzerland. And um, he, being an extremely wealthy man, came into this meeting, and he kind of expected everybody to do what he wanted them to do and treat him with a certain level of respect and so forth. Swami wasn't in the room at the time, but as he entered the room, he said, I could feel that the energy was not it was not a good energy in the room. There was, it was something off. So Swami just walked up to him and love and, and kindness beaming from him, reached out to shake his hand and said, so what else do you do besides being the wealthiest man in Switzerland? <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. The, the, the ice was broken. Everything flowed after that. Just that willingness to just, it's not that important. None of it is that important. Let's just have a good time here. And then I wanted to just share two more things. One is to end with this, but this past week we had um, one of our study groups. We're studying uh, the Bhagavad Gita, and one of the women shared, actually Satyana shared, she said I could use her name, Satyana shared an experience that she'd had, which again, very, very useful to take forward. She had an old friend in her life that she felt was going in the wrong direction and needed some, needed some help. And so she wrote a very, very thoughtful letter. She put a lot of energy into being very clear and uplifting and all these wonderful things. And actually showed it to other people and they agreed it was a wonderful letter. Well, she sent it to her friend and it wasn't a wonderful letter. <laughs> they, they exploded. They were furious. They didn't want to hear from her ever again. Well, so that was something important to learn from. So she thought, okay, a lot of months went by and she just wasn't happy about the situation. And so she thought, okay, I have to do this again, but I have to do this totally differently. This time I'm praying to Master, to Yogananda, and I'm saying, you must write this through me. I'm going to sit at the computer. I will not write anything unless I feel you are writing it through me. And she did that, and she sent the letter, and she really didn't know what to expect. But the letter that came back, the email that came back rather quickly, had little hearts all over it, <laughs> and, and uh, just filled with love. And just sort of the old kind of jokes that they used to tell among each other, and just saying, you know, I'm not a teacher, but if I were a teacher, I would have given you an A-plus on that email. Well, she was touched, and especially so because she felt I didn't do it. So this, when we are thinking about how do we live in this world, no matter what's happening to us, we really have to ask the guru to do it through us, to flow through us, to be the love that we need. Corrie ten Boom tells a story that's very interesting. I think you all know her name. She uh, wrote the book, The Hiding Place, and she and her sister were um, put in a Nazi concentration camp, and her sister, her beloved sister, died there. And it was a horrible, I won't say it was a horrible experience, because they were deeply devoted to Christ, and so it, it had many blessings. But the energy coming at them was totally horrible. And she, after she... Um, survived the experience, she went traveling around the world and giving talks about the power of Christ and the power of forgiveness and that God forgives everyone. 
And she was giving this talk, and at the back of the room was one of the prison guards, one of the, the first ones she'd ever seen, and it brought back everything, and she was horrified. And here she was talking about forgiveness, and oh my God, there he was. And at the end of the speech, he came forward, and he said, oh, thank you, uh, Sister Corey, thank you so much. To, so, I feel so grateful to know that God has forgiven me for all my errors. I'm so grateful for that, and will you forgive me also? Well, <laughs> she actually didn't think she could. Um, here she was, a Christian totally devoted to Christ, and she's it was just more than she thought she could do. And so she was trying to say something, something that she could say, and all she could do was pray to Jesus and say, I cannot forgive him, but can you forgive him through me? And so she very, with a little bit of fear, reached out her hand to this man. And she said as she did so, she felt this love pouring through her hand. And she realized, I couldn't do it, but God could do it through me. And so that's the message of this reading, that our little self really can't get past these barriers, but our great self can. And I wanted to end by reading this quote from the Gita, that if we can practice this, it's a, it's a great blessing to help us move in this direction. O Arjuna, there is one self. There is one self dwelling in all. That self is inviolable. In other words, that self cannot be harmed. Grieve not, therefore, for anything that occurs outwardly in the manifested world. So that's our assignment to tune in to our connection with that greater self and to ask the masters to flow through us. Let's take a few moments and just meditate on these thoughts. Draw nigh.
us toward light to draw 